You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 253 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on this fine Monday evening. And joining me for today's episode, good friend of the program, a fellow Peachtree Hoops writer, friend of the internet, Jeff Siegel. What's up, Jeff? Hey, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, you know, we're just, uh, it's getting closer. Uh, next next week is media day. A week from today as we're recording this, next Monday, I will be uh, in the building talking to some uh, Hawks players, Mike Budenholzer, and all kinds of stuff. So, like, we're basically here, which is nice, I would say. Yeah, we're getting there. I'm uh, purchasing my plane ticket probably in the next couple of days to come to Atlanta for the uh, the first two home games of the year, right at the end of October. So we're we're getting getting close. Yeah, I'm, I'm already looking forward to that uh, that mini uh, Peachtree Hoops convocation, and uh, it'll be good. Anyway, um, there's a little bit of things to talk about today. The meat of the show later on will be uh, that I'm, I'm going to have you join me for the small forward preview. We've already done point guards and shooting guards, which I encourage people to go back and listen to if they have uh, not done that so far. But before we get to the small forwards, a couple of things to sort of hit on here briefly. Uh, I talked about DeAndre Bembry's injury on a uh, recent podcast, but um, for people that might not have caught that, uh, Bembry is going to be out pretty much for all of training camp. There is some um, thought that he could be back for the start of the regular season based on the timeline of the Hawks announced. But uh, I'm going to assume that if nothing else, it'll be very, very slow to uh, sort of join the rotation early on. And with that said, it's sort of interesting because the Hawks don't really have, they have some guys on the wing, but they don't have a ton of guys who uh, are experienced slash established to really play. And I mean, they have three basically with Kent Bazemore, Torian Prince and uh, Marco Bellinelli. But aside from that, uh, it's sort of some weirdness. I thought for sure Bembry was going to be in the rotation to start the season. And I'm wondering who you think or how you think Mike Budonis is going to handle that because it's a small thing uh, for a team that's not going to be probably playoff bound this year. But somebody has to play some minutes early in the season if Bembry's unable to do that. And I'm not sure who that's going to be. Yeah, I think we're going to see a little bit of two-point guard lineups with Schroeder and Delaney. And then we'll probably see a little bit of Tyler Dorsey and a little bit of uh, Nico Brasino to uh to round out that rotation i think it'll just sort of be a uh whoever's got it that night whoever bud's feeling good about usually on the defensive end for bud um but i think it'll just be something like that and they'll uh and they'll just they'll but i think they'll cycle Bemery back right into the rotation as soon as he's ready to come back because he's still somebody who's been in the team for a year even though he'll miss this uh this training camp he's you know more seasoned in the hawk system than any of those other guys um so i think we'll We'll, we will see Bembry as soon as maybe that you know those first couple of home games at the end of October, maybe early November at the latest. Yeah, I think as soon as he's able, they'll at least roll him out for a little bit. You know, it's kind of tough without training camp. That's, uh, I mean, not that he wouldn't be in shape, but this is sort of the time where uh, guys get up to speed in terms of game game speed for the first time. And basically, if he misses all of that, which it seems like it's going to happen because camp doesn't open until uh, you know the end of next week. Um, it might be just a learning curve thing there. Not that he, I mean, your, your point is a good one that he's familiar with, with what Bud wants to do. He obviously played in summer league. He was around this summer. Uh, you know, I, I would assume he was injured in a workout considering uh, the injury that took place. It's not exactly something that's going to just happen. I would, I would assume, you know, the Hawks did not announce that information, but I would, I would guess that that was a basketball related injury. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where I think you'll see him as early as possible, but they have also no reason to push him. So it's kind of weird in that they could certainly, if this was a team that was really concerned about, 
um, you know, winning games early on in the season. They could certainly probably, you know, they, they, they could get by with three wings on, if they wanted to do that. But Bud's just not that kind of coach. A lot of coaches would go would just say, all right, I only have three guys that I really trust on the wing. We're just going to play those guys. But with Bud, I mean, it kind of requires you to push minutes, and that's something that he's basically unwilling to do unless circumstances dictate it. So I think we're going to see some combination of the guys that are around. Uh, what I would say, though, is uh, I think the, I think the worst option, frankly, in terms of play right now is Tyler Dorsey. Um, that's probably a controversial take because he's one of the more famous guys because he just got drafted. But um, I think he, you know, of the, of the available options, whether that be Brasino or Quinn Cook or Malcolm Delaney, more of him, I think Dorsey's the worst player of that group. Um, what it's sort of uh, what, what you'd be weighing in terms of uh, how much you want to prioritize development because obviously they liked him enough to draft him in this front office. He's he's one of only two guys that this that, that, that this actual front office drafted, so they clearly like him. But I think he'd be pretty bad early on. You know, most rookies are bad, and you, and you factor in second round rookies, and that things get pretty ugly in a hurry. Was that something that you would agree with, or is there somebody that you think would be actually a little bit worse than Dorsey? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense that Dorsey would be the worst as a second-round rookie, having never, you know, obviously played any uh, NBA ball, and some, and specifically with his game, where his game is very one-sided toward the offensive end of the floor, to say the least. Um, if he's if he's able to put up buckets in the NBA, good for him. Then you know maybe the Hawks have something, but you know until we see it, there's no way to assume that this that this kid's going to be able to come in and automatically you know be able to extend his range out to the nba three-point line and so i i mean i think i'm right there with you that that dorsey is almost assuredly going to get the short end of the stick even with Bembry out yeah i think he's gonna be spending some time in erie for sure maybe, maybe not early on but uh, he'll be there at some point i'm very very confident in that um before we get to the preview i do want to um ask you about one more thing here and that's uh Nation, where uh, obviously you and i uh, do some writing. Uh, I actually asked you to contribute to this, but they're rolling out the uh, a top 100 list, uh, actually t- top 101 player list. But they're looking instead of doing the t- the, the conventional top 100 where you look at players for this season, um, their idea. And this is something that that that, the, that was had done before. They've done this uh, four years in advance. So basically, this is their top 20 top top 101 players for the year 2021, which is a very interesting concept because it's a little bit more forward thinking. Obviously, you know most of those most of the top 100 lists are already out there now and Dennis Schroeder is pretty much the only option for the for the Hawks but if you look at this kind of list looking to the future the Hawks could obviously have a little, little bit more impact a couple of uh guys were actually um that uh, this has already been revealed at least the 81 through 100 and, and the Hawks actually have two guys there which we can get into but it's sort of an interesting idea and obviously guys like Torian Prince uh Dennis Schroeder and John Collins would be in the mix for that both Schroeder and uh Prince were in, on this list now uh, Prince just for reference was at number 95 and Schroeder was on at number Number eighty nine, which I think that's probably the most the most interesting one. Uh, obviously, you contributed to this, so you've already sort of weighed in in written form. But what were your thoughts on just the exercise itself, and uh, what was your thought process on? Uh, we, we did not rank the players, you and I, but uh, we were asked to comment, which is sort of what the interesting thing about that is that you know we didn't get to vote, but we got to sort of give our feedback. So, where are you on this list in general, and sort of the idea of it? I think the idea is really fun. I mean, the top one hundred list in general is is fun just because it's you know, just ranking players is fun and thinking about who's better than who, value on their contracts. I know a lot of people don't think about it like that, but they'll think about it just on the floor themselves. But I think in this this sort of circumstance, like there's no possible way that you're going to be right. So there's no reason to like really try to construct major arguments for one guy versus the other. It's really just a, 
you know, it's a lot of shot in the dark. If you go back and read their 2013 version for 2017, you know, they're wildly off on, you know, a hundred different guys. And it's just, it's, it's more of a, of a fun exercise to try to think about, you know, what are the young guys now? Who are the young guys now who can, you know, maybe take that step forward? And I think that's where it's really interesting that Dennis comes in at 89 because he's already right around 80, 89, you know, it, between 80 and 100 on most people's list, like for the current day uh, players. So it's really interesting that he comes in at 89 also in the future and that these guys at, uh, at SB Nation don't really expect him to take much of a step forward really from where he is now in terms of the hierarchy of the league. And if he's already, if he is what he's going to be right now, then that's probably not as, uh, as rosy of a future as the Hawks probably uh, are planning on for him. But, uh, you know, I, I think it seems a little unlikely that he's already, you know, sort of at his peak. But of course, I'm a lot higher on Dennis than a lot of, a lot of other people are. So I think he's, he's somebody who could probably take a step forward. I think we'll come back to this list in 2021 and we'll have him not, you know, not in the top 25, not even maybe in the top 50, but if he can hit that, hit, hit his stride to get into like the 55th, 60th best player in the league by 2021, I think that would be, uh, that would be obviously a very good step for him. He'll need to sort of improve on his jump shot, improve on creating for others, a little more consistency on the defensive end. And he's, but he's right there. I think he's got all the physical tools to take that leap forward. Yeah, you would think that he'd be a little bit higher. You know, he's he's behind a, a couple of guys I thought were interesting. You know, Hassan Whiteside at, at 32 years old. There were Dennis would be 27. Um, that's kind of what you expect to be probably his, uh, you know, smack in the middle of his prime or at least maybe uh, middle to the end of his prime. I think it's, uh, you know, as someone who is a Dennis skeptic, especially when, when compared to some Hawks fans, I think that was uh, probably the most striking thing on this list for me would be Schroeder that low. Also, I mean, Prince is uh, below Schroeder on the list at 95. That's not a huge surprise considering Torian's not the most sexy prospect in the world. I think you and I both like him a lot. We'll talk about him uh, in depth here in a second when we, when we preview the small forwards. But I thought, yeah, the Schroeder thing was definitely the biggest takeaway. And that uh, you know he's uh, you know 89 there is lower than at least one of the top 100 lists had him for this year at the age of 23, which seems to be. Uh, I'm not. Say, I'm not going to say it's impossible. I think it's it's certainly possible that he is kind of what he already is now. Um, but I think it's. I mean, more likely than not that he's going to improve at least to some degree in the future. And uh, given that he's still fairly young, and that you know, four years in the future he'll be 27 years old. I think it's. I mean, I would say it's. I would say it's likely, if not very likely, that he's better at 27 than he is at 23. That's not going out on a limb or anything like that. But I thought that was definitely noteworthy. But it, it does speak to the fact that something that I've been saying a lot is that you know most national people seem to be lower on him than most local people do if that makes sense especially with the fan base i understand you know the 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 scoring all those things that he did last year his numbers were big in the playoffs as well i think though it hasn't really caught on nationally in my experience i think you probably had a a similar one i know you're a little bit higher on him than i am but is that something that you've seen and heard uh, in your dealings with with other nba writers that aren't atlanta based yeah i think so i think a lot of people just sort of look at him as sort of a uh a spark plug, almost a, a high-end backup, maybe a very low-end starter, and, and somebody who really doesn't make his teammates much better, but is a, somebody who can get buckets on a on a bad team. And you know, hope, you know, maybe we'll see a lot of that this year. But hopefully, he'll take a step forward, and he'll he'll be able to you know get everybody involved. He'll be able to play more of a of a team-based style than he did uh, last year in his first year as a starting point guard, where they were the ball was in his hands a lot of the time with. Uh, running pick and rolls with Millsap and, and Dwight Howard. And so I think this year they'll get back to their their Hawks roots of being a much more pass and move heavy team. And so they will uh, so we'll see if Dennis can can step into that kind of role. 
for sure. And uh, for, you know, I, I would encourage you guys to go check check out the, check out this list. You know, SBH is not a sponsor of this podcast, but we both write there, and uh, that was interesting to me. And uh, we, we uh, well, Jeff and I know where John Collins lands, but he's not been revealed just yet, so I won't say where he is now. But he'll he'll be coming in the future. That's a spoiler alert, but uh, alas, he's coming. I promise. And uh, check that out when you can. Uh, well, Jeff, before we get to the uh, small four rankings, I have to take a little bit of a second to talk about the good folks at SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there's a better, simpler way to buy it with SeatGeek. It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events, and with SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets with just two taps of your screen. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, and that's fully guaranteed always. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team, musician, or show in person, and SeatGeek will get you there closer to the action for a tremendous value. I have the app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and I can instantly find seats regardless of what I'm looking for. I usually uh, actually was just at, at the Falcons game on Sunday and I got my tickets on SeatGeek. It was a very easy experience, definitely definitely the most cost-effective and uh, definitely the quickest experience possible when you're looking for tickets like that for, a, for an event that was jam-packed there against the Packers and you want to check that out for sure for all those uh, high-demand high uh, events for sure because SeatGeek is going to be like price comparing for you to do all the work for you. It's designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. It saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. It also grades every single ticket based on value. That's called Deal Score to help you immediately identify the best seats to fit into your budget. Plus, every purchase on SeatGeek is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with absolute confidence. Make SeatGeek the go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, though, my listeners on the podcast get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. In order to get that rebate off your first purchase, you need to use the promo code LONBA. That's L-O-N-B-A. Take advantage of this fantastic offer and get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, Jeff, after we pay some bills there, we can talk about some small forwards here. We'll save Torian for the end. Uh, it's sort of a weird spot in that uh, we previewed four shooting guards on the last podcast, um, but there's only, only two guys that I think um, are pure small forwards on this roster. Obviously, you're going to see guys like Kent Bazemore play some small forward during the season, but I think for me, I, I'm wondering if you even agree with this sort of as, as an overall premise, uh, that Torian Prince and Nicholas Persino are kind of the only guys that I think are actual small forwards. Yeah, I mean, if you have to sort of break it out between shooting guards and small forwards, you might as well put Bazemore in as a as a shooting guard, even though I think he played a lot more small forward last year with some smaller guys on the team around him. But uh, I've got no issue with you know how you break up the shooting guards and, and the small forwards. They're all just wings to me. I mean, I feel like the, in the NBA today, there's only really three positions where you're either a point guard, a wing, or a big. And so if you're going to split the wings into shooting guards and small forwards and split the uh, the bigs into uh, power forward and center, then you can sort of do that however you want. And, uh, and I'm not going to argue with you too much. Yeah, I actually fully agree. I was, on that first podcast when I was rolling this out, I sort of made fun of myself and that uh, this is basically a way to make to make it into more podcasts uh, because they'll be they'll be longer if I only did three. So doing five is sort of spaces things out a little bit, but I'm with you 100% that it's really only uh, – Point guards, wings, and bigs. So uh, this is sort of a cheating way for me to get some content out there, and that's uh, that's just a little bit of look, look behind the curtain. But still, I do think though, you know, especially small forwards versus shooting guards, there are some guys who are pure shooting guards. Uh, I think you know, for instance, Tyler Dorsey cannot play small forward, 
there are some guys um, that can't that can play two that can't play three. Not really vice versa necessarily. I guess there's occasionally a guy who can play small four and not shooting guard, but there are guys who are just too small to really hold up at small four. We've seen that around the league at various points. But I do think that you know most of Atlanta's guys, whether it be Bellinelli or Bazemore, can at least semi-function at small forward. Anyway, without getting too far afield there, the first guy I want to talk about is Brasino. Obviously, you know Prince is more of a headliner, and Brasino is the sort of the unknown. But the Hawks picked him up over the summer. Uh, I actually kind of like his game. I'm wondering how you feel about him in general I mean there's been some speculation that he could spend some time in Erie that wouldn't blow me away either but at the same time I think he's a little bit older a little bit more established than a guy like Dorsey so if you if, if, I, had, if I had to pick one, one, one of those guys to spend more time in the G League I would say it's probably going to be Dorsey I think Brasino is a little bit closer but what have you seen from him what do you like about his game what do you not like about his game just kind of where are you at with Brasino I think they also just to go back to your G League point I think the I think Dorsey has more of a about opportunity to go to the G League because they really do want to develop him. Like you said earlier, this is the front office who drafted him. Obviously, this is the front office who broke who uh, brought in Brusino. But it's it's a different thing to draft a guy with the with the forty first pick in the in the draft rather than just pick a guy up off a, off the of waivers. I don't expect to see very much from Brusino at all, especially at least in like the first half of the year. I can I would almost liken him to a poor man's version of uh, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s first season. In, in Atlanta, where he's not the same player, but in terms of how he's going to be fairly poor on the defensive end, I think we can just sort of chalk that up to the way he he plays. And so I, I, I wouldn't expect to see much of him until probably January or February. And then if he gets it and he can sort of pick up the uh, the defensive side of the ball, then he may start to get some minutes where he you know can can show both of his uh, you know show a lot of his his offensive gifts. He can really pass and he moves very well and he's a He's a perfect fit for the the Hawks' offensive system. It's really more about, you know, can he knock down shots and can he even play a, a below-average defense rather than, you know, just downright awful defense. Yeah, you, you mentioned the big question is your shooting. You know, it's a, it's a small sample, but last year with the Mavs, he shot – 30.5% from three. He was 29 of 95, so not even 100 shots. So it's not like that's uh, hugely representative, but that's something that's definitely in the scouting report on Brasino is that he's not exactly a knockdown shooter right now. It's a big question. You know, the Hawks have had success with uh, guys uh, sort of upping their shooting ability from the outside at that position. Uh, a lot of those assistant coaches are gone now, to be fair. You know, your Kenny Atkinson's, those guys are kind of uh, gone at this point. But, you know, even the guy like Tim Hardaway Jr. improved as a shooter in Atlanta. We've kind of seen everybody do that. You know, even, even though Kent Bazemore sort of struggled at the beginning of last year he's still a better shooter than he was when he arrived etc so I think Brasino I'm with you it's more of it's more of a shot that they're taking on him but not, and they got him for nothing which is fine I, I fully endorse that he is he has he does have the, the skills necessary to become an NBA player that's useful for you uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen because it may not but uh, his passing is what I, I like about him the most um, as you kind of mentioned there his his passing if you uh, if anybody was able to watch the FIBA America uh, his passing really jumped off the page. He's still only 24 years old, not that young, but he wasn't like, I mean, he wasn't good in Dallas, but he wasn't like fully unplayable. You know, I talked to a couple guys who covered the Mavs that sort of liked him in small doses. I think um, you could probably say that he wasn't ready to play 54 games in the NBA last year, which is what he did with the Mavs. But at the same time, like he's not a guy who would embarrass himself either on an NBA court. So, I kind of like him. It's just one of those things where I'm not going to get too carried away until I see more from him. And the defense is a big question because if you can't shoot and you can't play defense on the wing, it makes it very difficult. He's going to have to at least do one of those two things as you kind of lay out there. The question is just if he can do one of those two things. If, if you were if you were a betting man, you think he makes any sort of impact with the Hawks at any point, You know, given his contract situation, he's going to have to kind of do it pretty quickly. 
yeah, he's going to have to get on it because he's, you know, he's got this year and then he's non-guaranteed next year. So like he's, you know, if he's has a, a down year this year, don't, you know, I wouldn't expect them to, uh, to bring him back on, even on a minimum deal next year. But, uh, I mean, I, I think if he's, if he can get that shot to come around, I think that would be a, a, an easier path to success for him. If he can only do one or the other, that shot, you know, I don't even know that it's necessarily broken or if it was just like he just came over from Europe He's in a new country, a new league, and he's, you know, just gets a little flustered in those, you know, less than 100 shots. Like, it's not it's not that he can't shoot. It's really more that he just didn't do it very well last year. But it's not a uh, – I don't think that's like the, the, the book is already written on his, on his ability to shoot. I think on the defensive end, it just seems a little bit less likely that he'll ever step forward and even be, you know, an average defender. So if he can get that shot working and just be a, almost a purely offensive player – you know, that's still, he's still a, a useful NBA player at that, uh, with that skill set. Yeah. Previous to last year in Europe, he shot, um, actually 39% uh, in 2015, 2016 from three. It's again, a pretty small sample year before that 38%. Um, that's a shorter line. So that does matter, you know, just ask Malcolm Delaney, but at the same time, like, uh, there is, it's not broken. As you said there, I think, I think he's definitely more likely to be a good shooter or at least a passable shooter than he is to be a good defender. I, I think the defense has sort of left the station at this point. I think if you, uh, Pretty much only asking him to be, you know, passable defensively. That's sort of his ceiling. I think I can't imagine him being anything uh, better than average for sure. But even, you know, average would be very nice at this point in time for his defense. So I don't want to get too deep on uh, Persino, but I, I do kind of like his game. You know, I'm a sucker for guys who can pass um, with, with, with that kind of vision from that kind of height. You know, he's a legit 6'7. Uh, that's sort of the way that I've always liked DeAndre Bembry as well. I think Bembry is a much better a much better prospect than Persino is um, just because of, uh, you know, various, various things. He's a better athlete, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, Persino, offensive could certainly be a useful player. We'll see if that happens. But, I mean, early on in the year, if Fembry, for some reason, had a setback, I'd like to see the Hawks sort of throw Brasino out there. He's played an NBA game. He may not be good, but I think at least you can see more of him. I think you're going to learn more about him in the NBA than you would in the G League just because of uh, how uh, he's not he's not old, but at 24, I think he probably would be a very good G League player. I'm not sure how much you're going to learn about him there versus uh, in the NBA where you could actually see him on a court with people that uh, he could probably make better with his passing, etc. So I kind of like him, but uh, without getting too deep on that on him we can yeah go ahead i think uh i think the the big thing that you mentioned there is that like he is a legit you know six seven six eight even i mean you can see the pictures from uh kent Bazemore's um oh yeah uno event and he like he's huge. literally standing <laughs> eye to eye with john collins and it's like all right so you know this kid's not uh you know he's not somebody you would think that would slide down and play shooting guard like what we were talking about earlier like this you, you know he's he's a legit you know Six seven six eight six nine, maybe even you know in shoes. Yeah, I think he's a small four. I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I forgot I, sh- I should have wrote that down to talk about. But he did look absolutely huge in that in that photo. If you want to go check that out on the internet, you can certainly track it down. But uh, I, I'm not I'm not sure how much of, how much of that angle had to play with that. I don't think he's actually as tall as John Collins, but still the fact that it was even close is uh, kind of noteworthy for a guy who is really a uh, a wing in nature. All right, let's talk about Torian, who you and I both love. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting because last year, Torian was good and is good. It's good in terms of a rookie. He was an older rookie, and you don't see a lot of rookies playing playoff minutes and starting in the playoffs. He is 23 years old. That's sort of the one flag with him is that he's a little bit older for a second-year player. But I know you and I both like Torian a lot. Uh, let's talk about the offense first. What do you expect to see from him on the offensive end in year two? Like where do you think he needs to make, make improvements? Obviously, there's a couple of obvious spots out there and he that he even knows about, I'm sure. But what do you think about his offense for uh, this year? I think he really just needs to 
I mean, it would be great if he could just take a step forward, literally just across the board. Can he be a better creator? Can he create more for himself in the pick and roll? Can he make, you know, make shots at a higher clip? Like, can he take more shots and still keep up that efficiency? You know, just that's the, uh, it's not really, I don't think there's any one area that I'm like, oh, he absolutely has to do this better or else he'll never be good. He can, he's at the point in his career, just so young that he can really, he can decide and he can mold and the coaches can help mold him into whatever they need from him. You know, do they need him to be a secondary creator on the wing or do they need him to stand in the corner and make shots? And what, what, what they choose to do with him, you know, these next couple of years will, will go a long way toward deciding what his, his NBA ceiling and what he's actually going to be in it once he you know, gets to his prime in the next three or four years. Yeah, I mean, the, the jumper is interesting. I mean, that's something, something that people are going to focus on is his three-point percentage. That's an easy talking point. And obviously, you know, last year he shot only uh, only 30%, uh, sorry, 32% from three on a pretty small sample. Again, you know, if we talked about the small sample of Brasino, Prince only attempts 100, 102 threes. So uh, the jury is sort of out on him as a, as a catch-and-shoot guy. He shot the ball well in college, but, you know, it's a shorter line, et cetera. So I think uh, that'll be the easy thing for people to talk about and evaluate just his pure three-point percentage. I think it's almost more important that he becomes at least something of a creator with the ball in his hands if he's going to only play small four, which I think is probably what's going to happen. You know, Bud does not like to play small ball, so I think we're going to see a lot of Prince as a pure small forward, which is fine. But if, on this team, especially with only with only one real creator and shooter, they can really use some secondary offense from Prince with the ball in his hands. Um, I think he'll probably never be that kind of uh, – you know, top flight on, uh, guy on the ball, but I think if he can at least do a little bit of that and just use his cutting and his uh, sort of savvy off the ball, become a good finisher, those are all the questions that I have as well. You know, the jump shot this year, I think we could probably expect some uh, incremental gains. I can't imagine a situation where he's going to come out and shoot 40, 40% from three or anything like that, but it would be very, very good for his development and for this team this year if he shot the ball relatively well. Um, from three, just because he's going to need um, somebody to respect that jump shot in some way. Because that's, I mean, you know, Kent Bazemore, same sort of thing. Uh, he's only going to be a passable shooter. DeAndre Bembry, same thing. You know, Bellinelli, we obviously know can really shoot it, but there are some spacing questions on this roster. So if Pritz could come out and be a guy that people respect with a jump shot, that'd be very, very helpful, even if it's not like a knockdown thing. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is that I, for for me, if, if I'm running this team, I'm looking at the the big picture this year in terms of wins and losses, in terms of what percentage he shoots from the floor, doesn't totally matter to me in terms of just what is his usage like, what how comfortable does he feel, stuff like that. So obviously, like we're looking at this this top 101 of, of 2021, just to go back to that really quickly, Prince, Schroeder, and John Collins are the three Hawks that make this list. And so those are the guys that you have to think about other than the draft picks that are yet to come. The, the guys that, that are on the team right now, those are the three guys that that Schlenk and the and the development staff have to be looking at, going, okay, these are our guys. What do we want from them going forward? Schroeder can create off the dribble for himself. Maybe he can take a step forward in creating for others and being more of a pure point guard. Collins is not going to be a guy you can really you know give the ball to and have him create for everybody just because of his size and what position he plays. It, would you rather have Prince be a shooter, you know, a three and D kind of Danny Green? shooter type you know obviously a little bit bigger than Danny Green um or would you rather him be a sort of create and D guy who can shoot not 38 percent but maybe 34 35 percent who but who can create and you know who you can use as a secondary creator who who you put between those guys who you put at the two probably affects what you want from Prince but I think in a long-term vision I would rather have him be 
more of a creator and, and of course have the defense side no matter what you know you want that no matter what from him uh but it, i would rather have him be a creator than him, for him to just be sort of a pure shooter of course if he can do both that would be great you know then he we're talking about uh, you know more of a of a real star but if we're just talking about like what role do you want Torian prince to play on this team long term i think a creative role makes more sense than a shooting role especially given how you know how this team can develop shooters but hasn't done as well at developing creators obviously because since this team really only has one on the entire roster yeah i'm with you actually on that 100 percent. i just i don't think he's gonna become a knockdown three-point shooter anyway which might help this but I, he, he's shown enough ball skills where i think it's at least conceivable that he becomes a solid secondary creator which, which would be nice to see um i think the appeal though of prince more than anything for me is that he can he's a guy who's he's fully capable of being average or better on both ends and I think honestly his defensive ceiling is higher than his offensive ceiling so we can talk about the end of that in the floor as well um I guess we could kind of start with where he was last year defensively almost but I think you know we, you know his body is his body is uh, what you want to see from a from a big physical small four he's a legit six eight with some strength um you know the the defensive questions from college uh, sort of still loom and that he had some he had some moments last year you know that's basically every rookie but he had some moments where he kind of didn't know where he was doing uh defensively but if you have him just lock in on a guy you can sort of see where his where his tools really are as a big physical defender so uh, what'd you see from him last year we can start when sort of look back and then what do you think uh, he could he could improve prove on and kind of forecast to be as a defender because it's sort of the question of whether he can be in a full-fledged lockdown guy is still out there but I think it's almost you know almost safe to say he'll be average at worst defensively in the future maybe not this year necessarily but uh just how, how high is that ceiling for you defensively I mean the the ceiling defensively if he can sort of put it together is sort of similar to the offense where like if the offense if he can create and shoot all of a sudden it's like oh he's more of a star it's the same thing on the defensive end if he can really lock in play individual defense and execute the team scheme that he sort of lacked in college playing the zone at Baylor and sort of didn't didn't pick up as quickly as as he maybe could have last year uh then he's you know then you're looking at a a real star on that end but if he can just do one or the other, then he'll, you know, then he'll be a, a solid average or b- above average defender. I think, like you said, he was better one-on-one. He was better in sort of isolation situations. He was better in just like you guard that guy and don't worry about helping. Don't worry about rotating. Just, just lock in on that, on this one, you know, uh, you know, wing on the other team or, you know, as opposed to his, his, you know, sort of rotation defense, which wasn't quite as, as up to par as it could have been. But of course he was a rookie. So like you don't, you know, I, I expected nothing from him, and if he gives you nothing on the, you know, as a as a team defender, then it's like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's, it's it's really tough to tell, especially year one to year two. I think is so difficult to evaluate for for a defensive player, even even the tools are all are kind of just out there. But you know, rookies are just usually quite bad defensively it's like it's one of those things where it's really notable when a rookie's not bad like Malcolm Brogdon was sort of this uh was sort of this ace guy last year who was already pretty good defensively but he also was like he also was a two-time ACC defensive player of the year who was uh, a very very old rookie um most guys you know Prince was an old rookie too but most guys are really bad defensively he wasn't really bad which is good um there were moments when he was awful but uh, it's one of those things where I really like his defense and uh you know I can't be overstated like I think there'll be a sharp divide even in the more even more so in the future with Torian because I think people like you and I who really follow and sort of study this stuff 
understand the value of two-way wings, especially wings that can play and really hold up against big, small forwards like LeBron and Paul George and even Melo like that, that, and Kevin Durant, that kind of size. It's so There's so few of those guys who can really play at both ends of the floor at that size. And if Torian could just be, again, just be average, I think he, I think something Nate Duncan was saying on, on his podcast recently, maybe, might even been the one with, that I was on with that was a Hawks preview, but just how valuable that is. There's probably only 10 or 15 guys in the entire league who can really seriously be average or better on both ends and if you have one of those guys you're in great shape like even without Torian becoming a full-fledged star because I don't think he's ever going to be that I think he'll be I think he'll certainly be one of those guys though that basketball Twitter people like you and I really really like and sort of value in a top you know 60 70 player in the league kind of way even if the numbers aren't necessarily going to be there I think we probably see some some form of that this year I don't think he's going to be fully formed just yet in year two even at his age but I think we'll see some strides toward that, which would be fun, even though it's like, I say fun, and it's one of those things where I, I expect a lot of fans might maybe get frustrated with Torian in the future just because he's not going to be that like 18-point-a-game score right now. I just don't see that happening. But like he'll, he'll do so much else for you that it almost doesn't matter, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm with you on that. Like, it's, it's He's the most important piece of this team going forward. I know Like, it's kind of weird that he finishes lower than Dennis and lower than John Collins on this top 101 of 2021 list because I think I'm higher on him than either of those two guys going forward and just in terms of being a a value added piece to to a, to an NBA team to a, you know a contending NBA team perhaps by 2021 he'll be on that team and he'll be a he'll be a, a key rotation piece on that team whether they're bad or good but even if they're you know top in the east say you know if they hit on a few draft picks he'll still be part of that rotation and he'll, you know, he's, his floor is fairly, fairly high. Even if his ceiling, you know, his realistic ceiling is pretty low, he's going to hit that sort of be a role player, be above average on both ends and just, you know, just slide right into any team that he's on and make them better. That makes perfect sense to me. Uh, Last thing before I let you get out of here on Prince, you know, he averaged 31.2 minutes per game in the playoffs Last year, only six games, obviously, but uh, he was a full-fledged uh, starter in that series. Uh, he's one of the – I think it's fairly safe to assume that we're going to see a starting lineup of Dennis Schroeder, Kent Bazemore, and Torian Prince at the 1, 2, and 3. Uh, you know, 4 and 5, I guess, I, I think are pretty safe as well with Ilyasova and Deadman, but I guess there's a little bit more mystery there. Uh, is there any scenario for, for you where you think Prince averages less than, say, 28 minutes a game this year? Uh, unless he gets hurt or he spends a, an inordinate amount of time taking a major step back. I mean, there's no, if he, if he moves forward the way he sort of should, I mean, obviously we, you know, projecting from year one to year two is almost impossible. People don't, you know, project nicely up, up the, uh, up the skill curve, but it's, it's more of a, you know, he'll, he'll go in fits and starts and if, but if he's just sort of gradually gets better and doesn't get hurt, doesn't do anything, you know, crazy like that. I think he'll, uh, I think he's clearly entrenched as a, even probably a more, more entrenched starter than Bazemore, if that makes sense. I'm not sure about that. That may be, uh, you know, not, uh, not accurate, but I think he's, I think they, they look at him as the future of the, of the team as well. And they, not the future of the whole team, but the future on the wing. And, you know, you could see that at the end of last year. You could see that in the playoffs where they decided to throw him into the starting lineup where, you know, I think they they want him to to be that guy. So they're going to push him to to do that, even if he may, you know, even if he his play does slip a little bit and he doesn't quite deserve it. I do think he'll be a, a starter in a 30 minute a game guy this uh, this whole year. 
Yeah, I think that I think your point is probably a good one there. I think I think Prince and Bazemore are very clearly the, the team's best two wings, but at the same time, they don't fit perfectly together. It's one of those things where they're both uh, they're similar in some ways, and that neither one of those guys is going to be great on either end of the floor. Uh, you know, Bazemore at one point, at least with our fan base uh, here in Atlanta. Um, people sort of thought he was going to be this lockdown defender. He's never, he's never really been that. I, I don't think offensively those guys fit together all that well because neither one of them is a great shooter, etc. But I do think, I, and I would hope, that if Bud wanted to shake it up and not have those guys play together a lot, I think he would probably lean a little bit heavier on Prince because of the future. Although, you know, Bays is paid heavily, so we'll see. I expect both those guys to play somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 minutes a game, and then the rest of the wing minutes can sort of be divvied up. Um, maybe not full-fledged 30 because Bud sort of watches minutes, but even you know, somewhere in the 28 to 30-minute range for both those guys, that gets you to, you know, 56, 57, 58 minutes a game, and then you still have, you know, almost 40 to divvy up between Bembry and Bellinelli and Maybe if you want to go a little bit deeper than that, probably just those two guys, though, and we'll see what happens there. It's never going to be an exact science, and uh, honestly, I would like to see Bud at least try Prince at, at some small ball four. I don't know if you agree with me on that. Just that's something that Bud has, has really been hesitant on doing uh, in the past. But I think some of that probably was last year having to do with the fact that Prince was a rookie, and maybe he just wanted to just have him know how to play the small forward spot um, versus play, versus having to sort of change things. And the way that Bud approaches the four and the five is that those, those positions are sort of interchangeable, sort of like we talked about at the very beginning of the podcast, whereas the two and three are interchangeable as well, where you know three and four are pretty different. I would like to see them go small, at least occasionally, though, with Prince at the four. And that's something that you, that you would agree with. I'm not saying it's going to happen because I think Bud is probably going to be reluctant to do that, but would you at least try that in some way? Yeah, I mean, this is the year to experiment with stuff. And if you want to see what Prince might be able to do at the four, you know, that this is the time to do it. This is, you know, there's no expectations to win with this team. There's no pressure to win in fact there's probably pressure the other way from you know from the guys up on high so i would assume that they're i would i would hope that they're going to to push boundaries they're going to play two point guard you know play some two point guard lineups maybe even throw you know throw dorsey out there at the three just to see if he can do it you know just like just go nuts go you know play things that you would never want to play if you're trying to win but you know this is the this is the year to experiment with things and this is the year that that, you know, throw Prince at the four, see if he can do it, throw John Collins out there with him at the five and really go small, you know, stuff like that, I think would be, would be good to at least see if, if these guys can, can handle those sort of roles. Yeah, the only, the only thing that makes me say that I would be a little bit hesitant on Prince playing the four, and even then, it's something I'm definitely endorsing, it's, it becomes a little bit harder because the Hawks don't really have uh, threes to play with him. Uh, that's the funniest thing about it is that if you went with uh, Prince at the four, you have to be playing so small because you don't really have another natural three. The only other guy on the roster that we just, we talked about on this podcast is Brasino, and I don't think Brasino is a guy who you're going to bank on playing a ton of minutes this year. So something to keep an eye on, but I like to, I like to see Bud get a little bit weird here, especially because offense is going to be very tough to come by. Usually small lineups are better on offense than they are on defense, etc. And I, you know, Prince is legitimate, you know, 6'8", 220, and that's not huge by any means, but there, there are guys in this league that play power forward uh, fairly regularly that are that are uh, that, that are about that size or maybe even a little bit smaller. So something to just keep an eye on, even if I'm not sure Bud's going to try it. Um, yeah, I think the uh, I think the the thing with if you played Brusino and Prince together at the three and the four, you could have Prince sort of be the four offensively and then have him switch and be the three yeah. defensively and put Brusino on. You know, if if the other team is playing a stretch four. You know, just say, you know, tell Brusino, like, just stay with this guy. Don't, you know, you don't have any other responsibilities. Just stay out here and guard him. I think that's something that we may see. But, 
again, you know, it's uh, with Persino being sort of so much further down the depth chart, I'm not sure that he'll even be able to crack that rotation, even if Prince sort of makes way for him to play at the three, if Prince is going to move up a little bit. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Um, uh, well, I guess we can leave it there, Jeff. I really appreciate you coming on, man, as always. Uh, anything you want to plug and get out there? I know uh, it's sort of season preview time uh, around the league. There's people at your uh, at your main outlet, your main NBA outlet, the fan side step back that's been doing some good stuff. I, I've plugged a little bit of that stuff today on Twitter. Anything you want to get out there, get your Twitter handle out there, share with the people, tell them, tell them where they can find you. Yeah, so uh, at the step back, we're doing sort of a, a similar sort of player rankings thing that everybody's doing right now. We're doing the uh, the top 25 guys under 25, but only looking at this upcoming season. So the rookies don't rate quite as highly on that list. Um, I wrote a couple of pieces that'll come out uh, Thursday on somebody who I'm not going to uh, yeah, say so don't that do I don't it. ruin the rankings. But uh, I've got. Uh, one coming Thursday and one coming Friday on two of the top 10 guys that we think are, uh, the two top 10, uh, you know, under 20, under 25 players in the, uh, in the league right now. And then, uh, we've got, you know, player previews coming out at Peachtree hoops. I'm doing the, uh, the Dennis Schroeder one, which I believe comes out on Sunday. So I'm working on that this week. Yep. Um, some other stuff in the pipeline that, uh, is not publicly available yet, but, uh, will be, shortly i turned something in late last night that was was long and arduous and hopefully will be coming out in the in the near future that should be should be a lot of fun to see and then uh, you know just same old same old anytime there's a new uh new transaction somebody signs somebody gets traded anything like that happens i'm throwing out cap sheets on my uh on my twitter page and hopefully going to have a home for those in the near future as well so lots of uh, lots of unknowns at this point but you know we'll see a very, uh, very sort of uh, off the record uh, plugs from you. I really appreciate that in a big way. Now, follow Jeff for sure at JG Siegel on Twitter. He says he's a great follow and uh, does great stuff for Peachtree Hoops too on the Hawk side. And I, uh, I definitely appreciate it, sir. By the way, uh, just so, so this was already spoiled, so I can spoil it here. It was spoiled on Twitter today. Uh, no Hawk made the top 25 uh, of the under 25 players over at the fence at, 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 or, or at the step back. Shooter was in the uh, the also re- receiving votes or whatever it was uh, section. Yeah, yeah. No there was no that. and there was no real chance that he that any anybody was going to get into that he top was in 25. The 30s, right? Shooter was in the 30s somewhere. I saw. Yeah, I something like that. I mean, it was not even. Uh, I don't think it was even particularly close. I mean, 25 was Jamal Murray. So like that's the sort of if that's sort of the, the the baseline for for this list, then I don't think you here's know. Shooter a, here's really a take, has... by the way. I think Shooter's better than Jamal Murray today, right now. Um, I would okay. still. I, I rather I rather have Jamal Murray for the future, and that's not particularly close. But I actually think Dennis is better than Jamal Murray. How about that take today on the podcast? That's Jeff? a take, and I'm high on Dennis, but I would not uh, wouldn't particularly endorse that one. I'm lower on Murray than most people. If you case you can figure that out, because I'm yeah. lower on as, as, as funny as that is, I'm lower on Dennis than you are, and I I, I still take Dennis over Murray. So that tells you all you need to know about Jamal Murray for me. But no, yeah. I, that's just wanted to get a little take out there since you said that. It made me click in my mind. So, <laughs> well, uh, thanks, man. I really appreciate it as always and we'll have to do it again shortly even if uh you know it's under some weird circumstances i'm gonna have you on all the time and be calling your number a lot jeff so i appreciate your your willingness as always yeah always uh, happy to be here thanks for having me as for everybody else we'll see you guys later in the week i have another guest hopefully lined up for late, later in the week show if nothing else you'll have me at least one more time and then media day as we talked about at the beginning of the podcast is monday and from there we're full steam ahead to the to the season so thanks for listening everybody as always check us out on itunes subscribe do all that fun stuff and we'll see you guys again later in the week <laughs>